Disclaimer, this podcast contains adult language. Hello there folks and welcome back to the Armchair Pundits with myself Lester Lindsay and Hammy Hamilton. Hammy, you were one of, I would say, very privileged 12,000 people that got a ticket to go to Scotland's first game at a major tournament in over 23 years, and albeit on home soil as well nonetheless, and you're one of the even more privileged 9,000 that could actually be asked to show up for the game. What was it like being back in amongst that kind of the Hamden Roar and caught up in the Tartan Army? What was it like? How was the game? It was a very strange atmosphere, to be honest. Strangest game of football I've ever been to in my life. Um, was just in terms of the atmosphere, I think it put me in mind of being in the Commonwealth Games in 2014 when I went to watch the Rugby Sevens. It was like a half-empty stadium. And as you said there, I was about to correct you, 12,000 fans were meant to be there. And when they read out the the um, the numbers at the end, they, they mentioned that only 9,000 made it, which was bitterly disappointing considering how much I paid for the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> so there was 3,000 tickets there that, that went for nothing. Um, so, aye, it was it was strange. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and say it was amazing. Um, it was strange. It's great in hindsight. It's obviously great. I've seen them at a major tournament, especially because it's on the home turf. I don't think we'll ever get a World Cup or a Euros that'll ever happen, possibly in my lifetime anyway, at Hamden again, where Scotland are there. Mm-hmm. Yep. So in that respect, I know that we've got a few games at Hamden, but in the respect of Scotland playing there, I'm, I'm happy I went. You've ticked it off the bucket list. Yeah, yeah, from a personal point of view, but I'm not going to sit here and lie and say it was probably the worst Scotland game I've been to. Is that because you're standing? You know? Hey? You're going to stand here and lie. <laughs> <laughs> Aye. Um, no, but honestly, the, the atmosphere, as you can imagine, was pretty much non-existent. I mean, it is at the best of times in Hamden, so um, I it was it, it was a bit dire. I'm not going to lie for the for the atmosphere. Um, I the opening ceremony was great. Obviously, our mate was volunteering at it, so that was good to see him waving a flag. So they actually done like a wee opening ceremony. So okay. I it was it was magic. It was really good. Um, then they done a wee bit of yes or I can boogie, and it seemed that most people joined in at that. But as soon as the game started, um, it was it was a poor national anthem. You could <laughs> you could hardly. It sounded great in the telly. It aye. sounded absolutely amazing in the telly. Was there a microphone like right in front of you? Did you take your own one? Nah, I did. I. <laughs> but uh, you could even hear John McGinn for the stands as well. <laughs> so no, but honestly, it was just it was, it was strange. Um, and obviously the result and everything taken into account about the game, it made it made it even worse. You know, and it, it felt. It felt strange after the game because we should have been celebrating a win or we should have been celebrating even a draw. But it was just, it was, I, I can't even put it into words. I just, you, you felt like there was such a buzz. You know, walking to the stadium, I was absolutely buzzing. You know, we seen the team sheet on the on the train to Mount Florida on the way in. And um, honestly, just, you know yourself, there was, the full country was united. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I think I was just all taken away from us after the game already. Aye, well, obviously they're talking about the buzz you had before the game. I woke up yesterday morning straight away, Franz Ferdinand on, blasting Phil Pelt just to get me right <laughs> up for it. You know what I mean? Take Me Out was the, the number one song yesterday. Um, Listened to uh, a couple of Scottish tunes, got myself right buzzing. And then obviously we had a bet, I think it was maybe four years ago, that um, had I beat you on a game of FIFA, I was to dye my hair 
blue, and if I beat you to go Eminem blonde, um, most I was buzzing and caught up in it. I decided, ah, fuck it, this is it. I'll, I'll say to him now. So you've been out and bought here, dying. I'm dying up for the England game. Um, and oh, then... pictures will be on TA pundits, by the way, absolutely. And can I just say that at least you are doing it now, but it's it's quite disappointing. I thought you were a man of your word. Well, eventually, I'll always get into it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> if I say something, I'll do it. It just might take four years. But <laughs> no, the buzz, I get caught up in the buzz yesterday morning. Um, and then when that first goal went, and the first thing I thought was, my hair's gone blue for nothing. Like, fucking magic. But, hey-o, we'll, we'll get it done. I can't shout out it again. Um, I think you've been watching too much Braveheart lately, dyeing your <laughs> hair blue for the England game and all that. <laughs> fucking face half, ha- watching fucking Beardjews, Paul Craig. Give them the face paint and arse out in that. Aye. Um, no, you were describing there the, the stadium being half empty or more so than half empty. It was already limited capacity and then only a quarter of the people showed up and you went away feeling kind of robbed of, of the 2-0. So I've nothing else to say apart from welcome to the experience of a Hamilton Aki's fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an experience of a Scotland fan. I've been to many games over the years and it's a similar feeling, you know, <laughs> we're just not good enough. Has anybody ever thought of that? Aye, you can paint it however you want, right? But let's let's get into the game before we just spend the full podcast, the full time of this, just talking shite. Um, so the game started, and honestly, God, I thought from the very the get go, Scotland looked right up for it. Listen, first fifteen minutes, maybe you could even argue for the first half an hour to forty minutes, much much the better team. Um, as you mentioned, the team lineup it didn't fill you with confidence, but the first fifteen minutes it was almost kind of forgotten about because of how well we were playing. We were playing really intense, um, keeping the Czech Republic pegged in in their own on third for most of it and we created a couple of chances mainly Lyndon Dykes and Andy Robertson but how how did you feel the opening of the game went because I, I was particularly confident well I had said last week and I've been saying for months now um, a lot similar to Scotland fans as well is that we might predict our lineup, but it doesn't matter what team he announces before kickoff 50 minutes or whatever before kickoff it doesn't matter what he announces, I'm getting behind the team and I'm supporting the team. Mm-hmm. And that was the case, of course it was. I mean, I put up a tweet, come on Scotland. But honestly, it took me by a, a massive shock. Yep. Um, I think Tierney, I, I have this uh, page on Facebook that you're part of, all Tartan Arnie McTartan face. <laughs> and um, somebody had put on that saying Tierney was injured maybe three hours before kickoff. Mm-hmm. And I thought, just typical Scottish wanker. Aye. Try to wind everything up, but then obviously that can't be the case. But it turned out that it was the case. Mm-hmm. So, the first thing that jumped out to me when I seen the team sheet was no Tierney, a distinct lack of Kieran Tierney. Yeah, and I think the lineup just took everyone by surprise. I mean, <laughs> going into the game, and you're like Gilmore or McGregor, we've been debating it all week. <laughs> and Stevie Clark's went, nah, fuck them, none of them. Um, but just looking at the lineup, I couldn't help like I couldn't help think to myself that. I, I just didn't agree with it. Do you know that way? Like, get behind the team, come on. It doesn't matter what team he puts out. You need to support the boys. But there was honestly, I couldn't help it. Maybe I'm just a negative, typical Scottish wank. You know what I mean? Probably I'm, to be fair. But um, there was just something overriding about it. I thought, what the fuck? Like, it needs to be a bit better than that. Yep. You know what I mean? But as I already said that in hindsight, as you said, when the team selected, you need to back it. I had to win on to win 2 0 yesterday. Steve Clark's a genius, but it was a risk. He knew that risk when he took it. If, if we win, he's a genius, but it didn't. So I think, rightfully so, he needs to take the back, face the backlash of that. He made a lot of changes for the team that we've seen in Luxembourg, the team we've seen at Holland. If, and I would say for the worse. I mean, I, I can understand kind of what he was trying to play, have two playing off dykes and have a big out ball and then have an extra kind of attack midfielder to, to really if, if, if we're playing counter-attacking football which we've seen Steve Clark Scotland do mm-hmm. soak up pressure hit it long to Dykes and have runners off him yeah. if that's what he was going for I can understand the, the squad that he picked but 
think it's marked out the game between massive centre halves. It was struggling to get anything on it whatsoever. And it took him just for me, it took too long to change. As I said, I think we dominated for the first 30 minutes of the game. And then the intensity started to wear off. I think fatigue starts to set in, especially when it's as fucking warm as it was. I mean, Scottish, we're no used to it being hot. Mm-hmm. And the foot came off the gas a bit, and the checks came into the game, and they obviously got their goal right before half time. Um, I've seen a lot of people criticise Grant Hanley for the goal. Um, and as, as you know, when anybody that listens to the show, no, I'm not a massive fan of Grant Hanley. But yesterday, I thought Grant Hanley was exceptional. Yep. I think for the first goal, he's massive unlucky. It's a great, great ball in for Kufal. The three centre halves are all exactly where they should be. And Schick makes a very, very late run and gets a header over Grant Hanley. You could argue maybe if he'd, he could track his man a little bit better, but sometimes you just need to say, Do you know what, like, well done. It was a good goal. I think that was the case for that first goal. Aye, 100%. Grant Hanley, I thought he looked up for it. Um, constantly demanding stuff off of Henry and Cooper, who I thought were really quiet the full game. Um, I, th- I think Cooper, Henry, and O'Donnell, you know, they hid in the game. It looked like they didn't want to be there. But Considering how badly we played defensively, I thought the defence was shocking. Yep. I thought that Hanley, of course Robertson stuck out, he was my man in the match to be honest, he was outstanding. But I thought out of that back line as well that Hanley really stood out as someone, it's not for the ones that are trying, do you know what I mean? Yep. And I thought that about Grant Hanley, looked up for it, he was commanding his box. By the way, every header, aye he did, I, I know, that, I know in the face. first half. Aye, aye I, I remember that. that in the I know, it was ridiculous, aye they kind of were out in the counter. Mm-hmm. And then, completely cut it off. The recovery pace was unreal. I didn't think Grant Hanley had that. I've always thought he was a very, very limited, big clearance header kind of centre yeah. back, like your Shane Duffy type player. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I think yesterday he actually showed that he's, he's a capable of far more than that. I was really impressed with Grant Hanley, and I would pick him going into the next game as well. And I hold my hands up. I've had you know pelters for the past month or so, but no, he proved me wrong yesterday. He's had a kind of second stint, isn't he, at the Scotland? Aye. Like in his role at Scotland because the first time it didn't work out for him under Gordon Strachan and now he's had a sort of second go at it mm-hmm. and he's he's not put a foot wrong to be honest since he's came back into the fold absolutely he wasn't part of the team that that got us there um in Belgrade that night but um ever since he's sort of been in the team and he's been one of the sort of first names in that team sheet for Steve Clark he was probably a certainty to start in the back three mm-hmm. along with Tierney it was just sort of who was going to play out of Cooper and, and Hendry, but I do wonder to myself, with Tierney being injured, how did that, sh- was it just a straight swap, was it, right, Tierney's out, so we put Cooper in, mm-hmm. or did that reshape the full team, because I was so surprised when I seen the likes of Armstrong and Christie starting. I think, if you're talking about the defence, obviously Tierney being out, I think you would have seen Cooper start in that position, and maybe sliding one over, mm-hmm. Cooper central, Hanley on the right, and Tierney on the left, because I don't think Jack Hendry would have started, I think he was the one that came in for, for um we spoke about this oh, program right, okay. before. You speak about levels in games. And you look at Jack Henry, who's always had a great season this season in, um, in Belgium. We just did. Liam Cooper's the lead captain. There's a massive gulf in, in, in levels there. One's well above the other winners. So I think you would have seen Jack Henry maybe, maybe not in that starting lineup. Hanley on the right hand side, Cooper in the middle, and Tierney on the left. Because I don't like. I don't think you've seen Cooper on the right hand side because he's a left footer. You don't see particularly left footed centre half, mm-hmm. right centre back. I think that's how it would have shaped up. But the interesting thing, I think, is with the Tierney not being in the squad, my first worry was, well, that's us that we've not got an attacking threat. It's only Andy Robertson. And when you've got players, the quality of Kufal at right back and Sushek came over and he was doubling up with him and just marked Andy Robertson completely out of the game. Mm-hmm. And there's no other outball. For me, you've got to be starting. I don't want to sound like every Scotland fan ever that I've seen here <laughs> since yesterday, but 
Stephen O'Donnell's not the man for that side. If you're playing with wing backs that need to create your opportunities and start their attacks, Stephen O'Donnell's not the man for that. Nathan Patterson or James Forrest or Ryan Fraser, just somebody with a bit yeah. of attacking prowess about them because you've got so much defensive cover there. And we didn't really need it because Chippewa Blitz weren't really that attacking. Mm-hmm. They did sit quite deep and they weren't, really, minus the first goal, they never looked like scoring. Yeah, this took us 11 minutes there to mention Stephen O'Donnell. Yeah, 30 minutes Stephen O'Donnell episode. Um, take my time. Honestly, I, I would be happy if he didn't play at all for the rest of the Euros. I think it's harsh to say, I don't want to see him in a Scotland shirt again. I'm not saying that, but I would honestly rather MD played there. I would rather James Forrest played <laughs> at right wing back than Stephen O'Donnell in there. Um, the, the checks, well, they actually... was trying it later on. He was covering for him for the second goal. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the, the Czechs really played a man-marting game. Yep. They, uh, I, I've never seen a competition quite like the John McGinn versus Crow. Mm-hmm. And when it wasn't Crow, when he was beginning to lose him, Suchek would come off Robertson and then he would... like John McGinn was the man. You're saying Robertson earlier. I thought John McGinn was the most... I thought he was the one that the Czechs identified during the week like this guy. Uh-huh. As, as the one we need to mark out the game. Every time he got the ball, he was just he was getting fouled, he was getting dragged down, like sort of manhandled, if yeah. you know what I mean. You kept seeing that. And John McGinn, just obviously being the type of guy that he is, he was getting his back up about it and yeah. he, he was ferocious in it and he and he actually took it on his stride. That's why I love John McGinn so much because a lot of players would have went fucking hell. Like if that was a I don't know, if that was a Billy Gilmore or something, yeah. it's just when whenever John McGinn would lose the ball as well, it was his it was the intensity of him trying to win it. I remember one in the 90th minute, I don't know if you remember it, and the same thing happened. He lost the ball, there was about three players around him, and he got manhandled to the ground. The referee, of course, never gave a foul to us. And um, John McGinn, is just his willingness to, to get that ball back, and he did actually win it back as well, and I just thought that was his that's full tough. game. So in the midfield, I, f- I felt like that's where the game was lost mm-hmm, in absolutely. terms of the overall game. I thought that their midfield had just man-marked John McGinn out the game. McTominay, for his standards, nowhere was, near it. was nowhere near it for his standards. He didn't have that bad a game. He was just sloppy passes and stuff like that, which is unlike him in that position. Armstrong, I thought he was really slow in the first half. He got going a bit, which was a bit shocking when I seen that Steve Clark could take him off in the second half because he looked like he was starting to go into a game. But I felt like the way that they, the Czechs played the game is that they won the battles in the middle of the park. They'd marked John McGinn. And because of that, it left so much space, because you are saying earlier, and I agree with you, that John McGinn was man-marked, Andy Robertson was man-marked, so there wasn't a lot, you know, the, most of the Czech players were all around that area, uh-huh. there was so much space, and it was so apparent, because obviously where I was in the stand, in the second half, Stephen O'Donnell was close to me, right in front of you, yep. so by this point, I think everyone had cottoned on that he's having a really poor game, and see the space, the space there was ridiculous. Like, we could, if we had anybody decent on that right-hand side, we could have exploited the checks. Well, look at the difference Forrest made when he came on. I think Forrest had less than 10 minutes. Yep. And he created a great chance for himself. A couple of good runs and a couple of one-twos. He was, he was, he was forcing an issue, and yep. that's what he missed, Phil Donald. He was kind of happy just to let the game pass him by, I felt. Whereas when Forrest came on, he really was wanting to be the man who made the difference. That's yeah. For me, what was missing, it was a, a lopsided team that took far too long to change. Um, I've seen people calling for Steve Clark's job, and honestly, just you need to have a word with yourself. The guy's had one bad game. He's got us to the Euros. I think it's going to be a sore one when it's when it's. Fresh. I mean, you've been excited for this, and you've been since that penalty shot. We've all been waiting for this moment. It didn't quite go the way we wanted, but calling for Steve Clark's job, I think you seriously need to have a word with yourself. Um, 
you're playing against great opposition. You know it's like coming up to a tournament. This is possibly the easiest game we've got. It's still not an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. We've seen how much we've struggled against the Czech Republic the last two times we've played them. Once when they were struck with COVID, they may scrape past them. Another time we beat them one out of Hamden. But that, again, it wasn't a particularly comfortable mm-hmm. game. The, the Czech Republic do always give us a good game. It's almost like fucking Israel now as well as the Czech Republic. Is we, just, we play them quite a lot. Um, I think they seem to have our number. You were talking about John McGinn. John McGinn's got a really great ability of using his body really well. He gets he gets a low centre of gravity and then just essentially shoves his arse into an opponent to stop them from getting the ball. And he uses that. He shields the ball so well doing that. But Czech Republic, they've played us enough times recently to understand that. And all they were doing was just take take the pill, grab him, take the pill, and stop him from moving because he drag it, he sucks you in and then he busts away. He's got a yep. right good five yard pace and he can create so much space doing that. And the Czechs were clever. Um, as, as, as poor as we were yesterday, um, I think Czech Republic were actually quite good. And you, sometimes you need to kind of take your hat off, um, especially to Schick. We mentioned that first goal, absolutely brilliant. Cracking header, great ball in for Kufal. Um, and the second goal is, is... I don't even... We've not even addressed it. We'll, we'll talk about the second goal first. Who's, who, who are you? So the, the two people that I've seen getting blamed for that goal, if you want to blame somebody, would be Jack Hendry and David Marshall. What side do you kind of fall on of those two? Both, because both can be to blame for it. Mm. Uh, Jack Hendry, he's taking the ball. Scotland are playing a high line at this point. So this is where the, the blame more so for me lies with Jack Hendry, right? Mm-hmm. David Marshall was clearly being told uh-huh. because the full game he was playing, you know, between his 18-yard box and a halfway line. Yep. At that particular time he was just behind the halfway line <laughs> to be fair but it was playing really high the full game the full defense was playing high yep at the time we were 1-0 down as well like we need to go for it we need to play a high line so for Jack Hendry to be told after Grant Hanley or whoever was commanding that back three to to push up a bit you know play the offside trap mm-hmm. you know high line and for him to take on a shot there yep which left is extremely exposed shows it proves to me, I mean, we done a player rating and I gave Jack Hendry a 2 out of 10 and it was surely for that moment. The guy thinks he's a player. He doesn't fill me with confidence. Every time he got the ball yesterday, he looks shaky. Aye, he's got Stephen O'Donnell there to support him, which is, which probably it's knocks no his rating down. Aye, he's, he's, he's not as if he's going to have a good game, you know, <laughs> doing, doing two people's job because Stephen Aye, O'Donnell Stephen didn't want... He offers the same support as those 3,000 didn't actually go to the game. <laughs> <laughs> no. Mate, he just didn't want to be there. Yep. He's, he's out of his depth and I think he knows that as well. He just looked, he looked unfit as well. I mean, you're in the fucking Euros. Yeah. He was, the way he moves, he's so slow and stuff. Anyway, but Jack Hendry, um, he just know, doesn't... We've covered it on all. Right? Just like, we'll give him a bit of break, Jack Hendry. <laughs> um, but no, just in terms of that actual goal, I felt like it was selfish of Hendry mm-hmm. to, to take on that shot. Yes, Marshall is far too high up, but he was playing high anyway. Should he have been maybe 10 yards back, he probably still would have got beaten. I don't know, because he's so close to it when he goes in. He's very, very he's close to the ball even. when he goes in. He's not even. Is he's it just, a six-yard line when he goes in? I know he is, but he's 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 not even made an attempt to save the oh, ball. He's just yeah. chucked his cell into the goals. He's, right. st- he's still nowhere near it. By the way, some cracking memes. Eh? Have you seen the memes? Ah, I've seen, seen them. Absolutely. I, I couldn't help but laugh. You know? <laughs> but, um, no, but just just for that goal, who, who do you think? Who do you think? Was it Marshall or Hendry? I, I just feel like it was a selfish option for Hendry. He's a fucking centre-half. He scored against Holland and he's... You can just imagine what he's been like. Well, I'm going to do this again and in, in silence every here. Well, I might surprise you here because I'm going to disagree with you. Okay, <laughs> I think I think it's Marshall. Um, I, I don't. I, I'm not taking any of Marshall because I think he is a national hero. I think he's had one mistake. I would still start him against England. 100. I think one mistake. You've got it out of him now. Don't change keeper because then you're just waiting on that keeper having a mistake. Stick with David Marshall. Let, let him hold on to that memory and how he feels and make let him make up for it against England. Um, but. 
Jack Henry hits a shot for 35 yards, which is a bit, you know, it's a bit mental. But um, as we spoke about in the right-hand side, nobody was forcing an issue, nobody was making anything happen. Jack Henry, moments before that, had hit the bar with a shot. As you mentioned, he scored against the Netherlands, so he's going to be full of confidence. And he's, he's trying to make something happen. It's, it's, so he hits a shot, and it deflects off a Czech Republic player, and it falls right through to the Czech Republic striker. That's bad luck, right? As, as, as much as it's ill-advised for Jack Henry to take the shot, you could hit that shot a hundred times, and only once does it go the way it's went. So that's bad luck. But the poor element for me is how high David Marshall is. You can play that sweeper-keeper and stand 10, 15 yards further back and still do the same job. It's essentially to still have a long ball over the top. That's yep. why he's playing that high. But you can start, you can take, give yourself a wee bit more cover and still yep. play that role effectively. Um, and as Schick said after the game, he's seen David Marshall stand off his line and thought, I'm getting him this game. He just waited for the right opportunity. Um, it's really hard to take because obviously, as you said, the buzz we had over the, the last six months or so and you've been waiting this for 23 years our full life we've been waiting for T-Scotland at a major tournament and we've went out and we've made a right Scotland there mm-hmm. like it's the international equivalent of doing a, making a hips yet but that's yeah. what we've done um, but there's still there's still two games to go we have England on Friday I'm still massively confident for that I still think we'll beat them yep and then we've got Croatia and we, realistically we need to take something for that whether it's a draw or it's a victory um, but I think Scotland to when we've seen them they do and it's, it's for as long as I've watched Scotland we struggle against the lesser opponents and we make it up against the better opponents. Remember when we beat Spain, we beat Germany, and then we would struggle against your Macedonias and your Georges. That's the way we always do it. There's a 2-2 draw in there somewhere. And it's, who's your 2-2 draw then? Are you, going to, are you saying there's going to be one in this campaign? Aye, Croatia. Croatia's a 2-0 draw. That yeah, if we see if we get four points, we've qualified. Uh-huh. Because if you look at the 2016 Euros, the, the four best third-placed uh, finishes for teams... Most, I think two of the teams had three points. Yeah. Who was Portugal, who were on to win it, which is fucking ridiculous. Goal difference was obviously zero because <laughs> they get three draws. Um, and Northern Ireland was the other team that got three. I think they they get beat twice and they won one of their games. Who was that against again? Oh, that's going to kill me. Doesn't matter. Um, they got three points, and then the two teams above them was like Austria or something. They had four. So, see if we get three points. Because we've already just been beat 2-0 at our home turf, yep. which makes it even worse, by the way. Because we've already been, been beat 2-0, England, I mean, we're really, if we, if we get beat there, if we get a, a hammer in there, yep. that puts us on to, say we get beat 3-0, that puts us on to, uh, Exactly. So we're making <laughs> it extremely difficult for ourselves. So I think if we get a, a draw and a win, and that puts us on to four points, we're, we're sorted. Yep. But if we, if we get three points... I think just because we got beat with the checks 2-0 as opposed to 1-0, then I, th- I think that could leave our goal difference a wee bit short. I think you can tell watching it at the players. In fact, fuck, we didn't even spoke about this. End of the first half, uh, the penalty claim for Scott McTominay. What was the opinion in the stadium? I'm guessing it would be folks giving for a penalty. Did you see any replays of it? No, just, just genuinely at the time. It looked as if he ran into the boy. For me, it's a stonewall penalty. So but the boys, start, so Scott McTominay's running into the box and he's took a bit of a stray touch, but he still makes the movement to go towards it. The Czech Republic boy moves both his feet in towards McTominay's path, ducks and puts his shoulder into his yeah. chest. It's as clear as a, a body check you'll ever see in your life. Um, but obviously I'm going to have the Scotland bias in there. It went to VAR and three different referees have said no penalty, but obviously I know better than them on the day. Anything else you'd want to say about the game? I think you touched on it just at the start there. It was the changes that surprised me the most mm-hmm. about it. It took far too long to make those changes. They put James Forrest on with 10 minutes to go for Stephen O'Donnell. Yep. I think you could tell when Stephen O'Donnell missed the ball with his first touch and then tackled Christie. I think at that point you're going, right, I'm taking him off You yep. know, five minutes after half time or something. But the changes were, were staggering for me. And the changes are, I think, why everyone 
such as me, I like to think that I've been quite impartial and stuff like mm-hmm. that with Steve Clark. I'm not a I like to think of myself, albeit you wouldn't know it for this episode, but I like to think of myself as a more positive Scotland fan. Uh-huh. Everything I say about Scotland, I'm always a voice in my head that goes, remain positive, remain calm. It's all right, it's just, we'll get we'll get better. You yep. know what I mean? But I think there's something, there's just something underlying with me. When I've seen those changes, there's something that just says that this isn't right. Mm-hmm. And right. It, it's staggering. Uh, it Steve, the McGregor one. The Callum McGregor one made absolutely no sense. I mean, I used to took off a centre half and he's put on a midfielder, but you don't put. It's a midfielder who. He's not going to change a game, and Callum McGregor. Tom into the back line. So you've took off a centre half to put another centre mm-hmm. mid on the pitch and move a centre mid into centre half. So it's not a positive change at all. Well, you could say that McTominay's more forward thinking, only slightly more yeah, than I Jack Hendry. But I, as you say, like. Shea Adams, he didn't start the game. Hindsight's a great thing. I don't think anyone should have said he's 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 an absolute certainty to start yep. the game. But I think because he came on and he done so well, Aye. people tend to play with hindsight and they go right, okay, what, what the fuck's that all about? Aye. But um, honestly, the the changes were so weird. They then put Ryan Fraser on for Stuart Armstrong, who looked like he was coming into a game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Stuart Armstrong, he was getting forward. He was driving on the team. Caused him problems. Was... He nearly forced an own goal. Aye, aye, and it, it, there was a point that I actually went out for a corner, and you seen Stuart Armstrong, you know, waving his hands like, "Come on, boys, we need to get more up for this." And then there was a couple of spells he had with Robertson playing in one twos and stuff, and I thought, you know, something he's starting to come on the game, and then two minutes later he's taking off. I thought the subs were were staggering, to be honest. And then, as I said, James Forrest coming on with ten minutes to go for Stephen O'Donnell, who offered nothing. The full game, I absolutely nothing. But and, and then Kevin Nisbet as well came on and had a bit, wee bit of an impact. It was just, see if you actually look at that bench. Have you ever seen that Barcelona picture? And it's like the Barcelona bench. I can't remember who they're playing. And the bench is just ridiculous. You've got like Iniesta, Xavi, <laughs> Thierry Henry, Samuel Eto'o, Ronaldinho, it, yep. Deco all on the bench. And you're like, who the fuck were they playing with that night? <laughs> that, that, it, you know, it's, it's, this, it's a similar thing. See, when you look at that bench, most of them should have been starting. Yep. You've got our best prospects on the bench. Mm-hmm. You've got Billy Gilmore sitting there, who doesn't get a minute. Champions League winner, probably the most talked about young Scottish guy that I can ever remember anyway. Mm-hmm. Didn't get a minute. Yep. Nathan Patterson, I probably, he's nowhere near Billy Gilmore's level, no a Champions League winner most, or anything like that. You're saying it's the most spoke to be young Scottish we've ever heard. You must not remember when John Fleck first moved into the Scotland team, the, first, the Rangers team, for fuck's sake, that was ridiculous. That's not as bad as Billy Gilmore. Mate, when John Fleck came into that Rangers team, I thought he was honest to God the next the second coming up, Ellie. Billy, it's the day we's dabber as well, Robert Fleck, so he had a bit of comparison to draw there, but. But Billy Gilmore, honestly, like can't can't get a minute yesterday. You're looking for a guy who can come on and change a game and Aye. dictate play. The Billy thing we were missing was taking the ball for defence and turning it into attack. Somebody yeah. came in, collect the ball, and move it forward. That's what we're missing the full game. Yeah. Scott McTominay can do that, but he wasn't being asked to, it and he wasn't getting the ball. It was getting spread out wide far too early. The back three were pushing up, and we were passing it between the back three, trying to find a, a wing back all lump it long mm-hmm. and it wasn't working. Yeah, the system needed to change. The Czech Republic's marked it out the game, and as I said earlier, we can be as annoyed as we want to Scotland, but Czech Republic. They did have a good game yesterday. Aye, and one player that we've not even spoken about, David Turnbull. How the fuck does David... What, what does he need to do? See Ryan Christie yep. playing in behind Lyndon Dykes? That's something we've not even spoke about. Aye. We've not even spoke about it in the same breath. What, how did Ryan Christie get in that squad? That's what I want to know. I scored the goal in Serbia. That was, that was what, seven months ago or yep. something? 
it was a team that actually got us there. See if you actually look at the full team apart from Hanley. Uh-huh. It was every single person there played a cameo in getting us there. Uh-huh. And that's what Steve Clark, that's his famous quote that he's been saying. I actually like Steve Clark because I think he is a bit more progressive than some of the managers have had and a bit less stubborn but than Alex the likes of Alex McLeish, Gordon Strachan, who would never play Lee Griffiths if he was in his back garden. Uh-huh. Um, but honestly, I, I do feel like Steve Clark, he's he's much more progressive. The amount of Scotland caps he's get given yeah. is ridiculous. So he does change it, mm-hmm. but he, he is quite stubborn about the team that got us there. Uh-huh. That's been his nucleus. That's yep. been that's what you see. We need to remember the boys that have got us there and stuff like that. Like play with your best eleven. Yep. If you don't play against the weakest team in the group with your best eleven, then you're going to get beat two 0 at you're Hamden. Not yourself the best chance. Exactly, and that's exactly what happened. And how Ryan Christie started over. I mean, I would have played David Turnbull. Christie was dropped for Turnbull for Celtic all fucking season. <laughs> Christie plays ahead of him for Scotland. Mate, he's that not was, a strange plan. At because... half time, I was screaming for Forrest on O'Donnell off, mm-hmm. Turnbull on, Christie off. Yep. That's what I think every Scotland fan was calling for. And I'd love to have seen it to know if I was right or if I was wrong. Do you know what I mean? I'd love to have seen that. I would love to be the Scotland manager. It's the, right, it's the, it's the dream job. Yep. But knowing days like today after you, I, I, you couldn't pay me enough to be Steve Clark today. Aye, 100%. Right, who's your team for England then? Um, I'll, I'll do you know something just to give you a wee bit of time to actually look yours up there. I'll I'll go through mine because I prepared mine. Today. <laughs> okay. Um, I put it on Twitter today at ta pundits. Um, actually got quite a good response for a lot of people. Sorry, what was that there? What? Where did you put it? On Twitter at ta pundits. Ah, okay. I was making sure. Double check. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but I've had I have actually changed a few positions in there. Right, okay. uh, ever since because I've had just interaction typical typical well, that, well that's all party isn't it because I put up my team people are like well I don't think you should go with this guy I think you should go with this guy and you I haven't know, seen how I've trained today as well you know, aye you know. and then people plant that seed in your head and you go do you know something they're actually right so I'll, I'll admit I have got one one player in there who I've actually taken out but I'll negotiate with one other position, which is your Armstrong, but I'll get to it. Um, <laughs> so, in goals, I've went with David Marshall. I think he's our best goalkeeper at the tournament. Um, yes, he made the mistake. I said that earlier. You said he made worse, more of a mistake than I did. But at the end of the day, he still made a mistake. But people will only remember him for that. But he actually pulled off some outstanding saves Aye. in that game. So, Absolutely. he's still a top, top keeper. And he got his, you know, Steve Clark fashion. Um Tierney got to be in there. I'm praying that he's in there because I feel like the team was a bit dejected without him. Yeah, without him, I've nothing. Aye, and you, you replaced him with Liam Cooper, who just has never really done it for Scotland, does he? I mean, gr- he's okay. He's, he, 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 as a centre half, he's okay. He does it. He's competent at heading the ball and making tackles. But has he ever did anything? But he doesn't offer the same as Tierney. And, and the system that we play is very geared towards that left hand side overload yep. who overlaps, and Cooper can he offer that? Yeah. So the back three, Kieran Tierney, Grant Hanley, and Liam Cooper. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. I've just mucked it up. This is because I'm reading it out. <laughs> Kieran Tierney, Grant Hanley. This was my, this was my Twitter one that I put uh-huh. on it at TA Pundits. It's not Liam Cooper. I've subbed him out. This is right. my change that I was talking about earlier. I've actually put in Declan Gallagher in there. Big Deck. Big Deck. I've put Absolutely. in Big Declan Gallagher. This team, by the way, is geared around bravery and bold. Oh, aye, and fuck England. Aye. aye and, big Deck's got to be in there. Listen, it needs to be. See if we feel the same team that played against the Czechs, which I think is, which is going to happen, by the way. But it's... <laughs> See if we do that, we'll get hammered. Yep. And it, it, it'll maybe keep it down to maybe one or two goals because it'll be a very defensive, structured team. But I, I say if we go out there and give it six 0 it's still a loss at the end of the day. We could go out there and we could get a win. It's a, it needs to be a brave lineup. I need, it needs to be something that's going to inspire not only the nation, but inspire 
the likes of Robertson, the likes of McTominay, the likes of our world-class players. It needs to inspire them as well because I think, you know, playing with these people such as Stephen O'Donnell, I keep mentioning them, Callum McGregor and, and stuff like that, it's just, it, it does nothing for you it's when you've got better options. It's tried and tested. The thing with Gilmore and Patterson, so, sorry, I'll let you go through your team, I'll, I'll make my points. So I'm going and it's there. the history of Scotland versus England. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you actually watch all the way back to Braveheart and yeah, all the way up to that tweet the other day where the English players are rubbing their hands together and getting their wee photo <laughs> shoot and the Scotland fans are taking the mickey out of them. Aye. We know that we're not as good as them. We, we, we've known that throughout yeah, the absolutely. history, the, the, the rivalry. We know that. But it's always that cheekiness about us, that bravery, that boldness, that team of no fear. Like the wee brother. Yeah, That's exactly. We exactly. We are the wee brother and we need to be, be wee bastards yeah. and we need to have no fear. So this is what this team is built around. And you can just see Big Deck Gallagher having a fucking phenomenal game because well, he puts his body in the line. You spoke about it and then last weekend. It's, been, it's not going to be a great point to make here, perhaps. You, you might make it what you will. So you spoke about Stephen O'Donnell. And he's one of those players that because he's out his level, he'll give you 110%. Obviously, that didn't happen against Sheffield. But Declan Gallagher is that player. He absolutely mm-hmm. is. Look at him against Mitrovic, who was touted as the guy who was going to ruin our Euro dreams. Alexander Mitrovic for um, Serbia. He was going to destroy us. Big Deck had a mark the full game. I think if Big Deck, if he's, I'll call him Declan Gallagher, right? I'm going mm-hmm. to stop calling him Big Deck. Declan Gallagher, he's he's the man I want on Hurricane. Aye, 100%. Like, you know that you're not going to get the same technical ability out of Declan Gallagher than you would with a Liam Cooper, somebody who's not as composed. But we need backs to the wall defending here. Mm-hmm. We need last-ditch challenges. We need big tackles. Yep. And we need somebody that is genuinely willing to put their body on the line, mm-hmm. throw their face in front of the ball. And Declan Gallagher could do that. How well he played and how much he stepped up for his nation in the semi-finals and in the final against Serbia and Belgrade was outstanding. Him and Andy Considine, unbelievable. Andy Considine, no making the tournament, which is another reason why I'm, I'm starting to go off it by a wee bit because that's <laughs> no harm. But, um, but that's my back three. I went with Kieran Tierney, Grant Hanley and Declan Gallagher. Um, left wing back, Andy Robertson, of course. Don't even need to go into that <laughs> one. <laughs> right wing back, I went with Parson. And I think that's that it. I think that's the common choice nowadays. Um, it's a popular opinion, I suppose you could say. Him and Forrest, I think it's 50-50 between the two of them. Oh, I, I personally would go Parson. Mate, he's going to go with Forrest. And it gives me the fear to think... Forest offer nothing. Forest offers nothing defensively for mm. Scotland. He's great at attacking. He came on, and we were so exploited at the right hand side when he came on. But he did come on, took it by about four or five players, and they hit a typical shitey James Forrest shot. <laughs> and um, but he did nearly score. He is a great player, James Forrest, but he's a right winger. He's very situational, James Forrest. You, he needs to be in a very <laughs> James Forrest position to actually do it, and he's yeah. not going to get that for right wing back. You're no. not getting the best out of him there. Right, well, who who's he going to be up against? Raheem Sterling, and can you imagine James Forrest up against Raheem I Sterling? Him and Stephen O'Donnell, honestly, anybody but Stephen O'Donnell. Not how, how the tournament is anybody but England. Aye, I'm now taking an approach of anybody but O'Donnell. Aye, like if if he puts O'Donnell on there, then we're going to get pumped. It needs to be a team in all fear, as yep. I said. And Patterson, at the present moment, along with Billy Gilmore, they're young. They think they can beat anybody. Aye, absolutely. You know what I mean? The cup winners at such a young age. Aye. And like Billy Gilmore playing with the highest confidence you could ever play it. That's what you need. You need wee guys in there. You know what I mean? Like, a, look how fearless Kieran Tierney is. Yep, absolutely. Kieran Tierney wouldn't look at his place in the 80s. He's, he's, he's that tough. So he's a, and Billy Gilmore's a tough boy for a drossing. You know what I mean? <laughs> and Billy, and then. Uh, we Kieran, get that in at least once an episode for every Euro show, I. Aye, right, okay. 100%. It's, sure. it's a bit like me saying build the team run about Scott McDonald. <laughs> he just has to be in there every week. So Nathan Patterson at right wing back. Yep. I don't think him, they can. 
fucking plate me for that one. Anyway, there will um, be somebody will find a Motherwell fan. Listen, if it's you, just don't. But we'll find a Motherwell fan that'll argue with us and be like, no, it's got to be O'Donnell. Aye, but when he sees that I've subbed out Cooper for uh, Declan Gallagher, they might be like, ah, that's, that's fine. <laughs> then as long as Motherwell were represented, you know. But um, the two home midfielders, I went with Billy Gilmore and Scott McTominay. Team in all fear, yes. Team in build the team around the coming. But um, in front of them, John McGinn, first name in that team sheet yep. for me, along with Scott McTominay, built the team around them. Um, and then the two up top, I've got one sitting in behind the striker. I've got Stuart Armstrong, mm-hmm. which I'm, that's the position that I'm willing to swap him out for maybe a Lyndon Dykes or a Kevin Nisbet, to be honest. And then up front, I've went with Shea Adams. I think he needs to play in that game, and I think he will. I see. So you've, you've, you went with your Scotland team, you've put two English boys in it. Yes. See, I'm I'm old fashioned, and I'm. It's it's the playing the English boys against England. Scott McTominay, I have full trust will put ever on the pitch for Scotland. But she Adams, he's not been, he's not been respected enough by Stevie Clark possibly, and he's not been given enough game time that you think will he score against his boyhood nation? Will he get it all? Um, I'll I'll still pick him though. She Adams will be my striker after that Dykes performance. I don't think he was particularly bad, but. Just too many chances went to begging by him. Yeah, if he's, to be fair, Dyke suits the system. Mm. So I wouldn't mind him and Adams up top. That's what I'm saying. Armstrong is up for debate for me. I think Shea Adams has to start, but that other, whether it's in behind or whether it's up top with him, aye. Aye, whether it's one or the other, um, I'm, it's up for grabs on me. Ideally, we would love a player like a Wayne Rooney in there. Aye. Don't do it. Don't do it. I can 30 see grand a week. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, my team's... Fairly similar. I think Marshall and goals. Um, as you said, he's, you said he's the best keeper out of three of them. I think, honestly, I think all three of them are very, very similar in ability. I don't think... Well, we don't know a lot about John McLaughlin. What we have seen about him at Sunderland and Rangers, he's been pretty exceptional. I mean, he started off Rangers' clean sheet record this season and he, 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 I've never seen him do anything wrong. So I, I kind of judge him on that. He's been Anytime I've seen him, he's been very good. Um, but Craig Gordon do Marshall, John McLaughlin. I have, them, I have all three of them at a very, very similar level. Um, and I think if you swap out David Marshall now, you're on the risk of have another keeper come in, nervous that he's going to make a mistake. It's what you see England do a lot. Remember Rob Green at the 2010 World Cup? He made that mistake and that was him out. And then they were between Paul Robinson, Rob Green, Scott Carson. David James. So, so many goalkeepers that they just kept going between. They never had a real number one. And then every keeper was nervous that if they made a mistake, they're out of the team. Show faith in him. David Marshall's done enough for Scotland. He's played enough games. He's made one mistake. You don't drop somebody for that. It's a pure mistake. Yeah, absolutely. But keep the faith in him. Right wing back, I agree with you, Nathan Patterson. Um, I think he offers a lot more going forward than Stephen O'Donnell. I don't think he's quite defensively as good as Stephen O'Donnell, but you're looking at James Forrest or Patterson. I'm going Patterson for that, if you're, especially against England. If you're playing San Marino, I'd go James Forrest, but against England, Nathan Patterson. Three centre half, I think we agree as well. Um, big deck on the right, um, Hanley in the middle, and Tierney on the left hand side. I don't think it needs much explaining after what you said. Andy Robertson left wing back. Yep. Um, I personally would still go McGregor and McTominay. Over Gilmore, mm-hmm. um, I, for me, you need more defensive cover against England because they're going to pepper you through the middle. They've got quality yep. players. They have quality in it. They play a similar shape. They're playing a four at the back now because Maguire's not there mm-hmm. yet. Sorry, they're playing a three because Maguire's not there. They'll swap to a four and Maguire's back. So they're going to play a lot centrally. Yep. I think you need most defensive cover possible. I think McGregor offers more than Gilmore does. Hold them at now now for as long as you can. Hold them at a draw. And if there's 10, 15 minutes to go, then bring on a Gilmore who's, who can possibly get your goal. I think that's the way I would, I would approach it. Um, in front of them, John McGinn and the two up top, um, I would start with Shea Adams. Oh, I don't know who I'd have playing off him though. That's that's the biggest one. It's a struggle because I don't want... I'd, I'd Tumble. David Tumble. David Tumble. David Tumble. Aye, that's how I would go. Yeah. Because I think Christie 
doesn't do it. We've seen him enough in a Scotland top. We've seen him at Celtic this season. His confidence is nowhere near it. David Tumble will be on cloud nine. Um, point to prove. Fraser's, he's no fit enough. Armstrong looked good yesterday, but he got took off right as he was coming on to form. So I think that would affect his confidence a bit. But David Tumble, when, when you've got players with that confidence, use it. Even if it's coming for, even if it's coming for club football, use that confidence to demote the best of your ability. See, Clark, you've got a wonderful opportunity to bring these young boys in. And I'm saying don't play Gilmore, but he'll be the same. Gilmore, Patterson and David Tumble, they'll be on cloud nine. As you were speaking about earlier, you need youth. You need fearlessness. And you don't get that from your, your Stuart Armstrongs, your Ryan Christie's and your Stephen O'Donnell's. They all have fear in them because they've played so much football. These guys are young. They will be mega excited. Oh, that does leave you possibly susceptible to kind of not follow instruction, but... You need a bit of flair in the yep. team, and that's what you get for young boys. And there's no point in taking them if you're not going to play them. Yeah. So get them on the pitch and get them a chance. Well, that's why I've got Billy Gilmore in there as a, as opposed to Cal McGregor. See that midfield three? He's got right. McTominay, Billy Gilmore, and, and John McGinn. That is as good as England's. I'm willing to stick my neck out there. That it? That is better than England's. Yeah. It is. It, it 100% is. Scott McTominay's better than Calvin Phillips. Uh-huh. Um, Mason Mount, I think Billy Gilmore's potentially a better prospect than him <laughs> no, no he is mate. at the moment I'd say Mason Mount's still a better player but I, Gilmore's got the he's, he's been tested more mm-hmm. but I, I, I genuinely do think I, I, I do have it in myself I believe that Billy Gilmore is the next Frank Lampard I, I do but mate he, every cameo he's came on he dictates play I'm amazed you never went Stephen Gerrard there honestly <laughs> well mate, mate he's been in Scotland he gets compared to Iniesta <laughs> he's lower <laughs> Iniesta but he's like a small player Honestly, I, th- I think that three, you know, and John McGinn as well, they'll probably go with who Grealish or who's the other whole midfielder that they play with, Rice, Declan Rice. I think John McGinn's better than Rice. Just him as well. He's very, very young. But he won't start, though. He won't start against us, but he's played. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. England took the chance for him at 1-0 against Exactly. Croatia, and they brought him on. They gave him the chance. He does play a lot for, for his club, though, doesn't he, in Dortmund? Dortmund nah, he does play, and he played in that Champions League quarterfinal against Man City as well, whereas Billy Gilmore only to appearances but I think just the position that Billy Gilmore plays the now at Chelsea is the reason that he's not getting a game who's the players that's in front of him Canty no, I mean fucking Canty exactly like if it was a different position and it was a I don't know if it was a Mason Mount you know sitting in behind the striker they have real striker issues at Chelsea they only play one up top because they can't afford to play two <laughs> so the, the player in behind them is usually Mason Mount or Kai Havertz or something yep. if he played in that position I think Billy Gilmore would get in the Chelsea team yeah. honestly I do I do think that if we play that three it's as good as MD at the Euros apart from maybe France and Germany to be honest <laughs> Brilliant, so we'll stick them up on Twitter at Pundit so you, you can have your say as well. On And same as last week, listen, we were mega delighted with the response that we got. It's a lot better than we usually get, so thanks very much to everyone that did get involved. Let us know your lineups. There's a few of you already sent across what you would play against England without us having to ask. Um, I think if he's turning into Steve Clark when the Euros are on. But as you say, get us at Twitter at TA Pundits and let us know who you would have in your team. Um, without much further ado, we have the end of the show to do. I haven't done a quiz this week, Hammy. I've done... What you've done for me a couple of weeks ago for fuck's sake. a one minute in the mind of Hammy. Oh, for fuck's sake. So what we're going to do is, if you could get a minute on your stopwatch, yeah, that'd be brilliant. Oh, honestly, I'm going to have a blank here. So I've prepared the a things list. That, the things that come to my head uh-huh. are not appropriate for this show. So <laughs> I might take a wee bit longer than usual. Right, I've got a minute, so... So I've prepared a list of words, and all I want you to do is just apply the first thing that comes into your head, um, within reason. Right, okay. right. Right, I'll okay. maybe take a few seconds. I'm going to edit this bit out, look, fuck. <laughs> I do it four or five times, as if you haven't already. Okay, so we'll start off with square. Sausage. Space. Cadet. Fire. Retardant. 
Hearts. Midlovian. Iron. Um, steel. Ladder. Safety. Favourite beer. Peroni. Jeff. Sterling. Spanner. Amazing. <laughs> Tartan. Army. Atmosphere. Good. Water. Hydration. Milk. Um, Cocoa Pops. <laughs> what did a cow drink? <laughs> what? 67. Lisbon Lines. 72. Barcelona Bears. Clocks. Time. Watch. Timepiece. Instruction. BBs. <laughs> Cars. Uh, vehicles. Columbia. Morelos. Marshall. Uh, David. We're out of time. We're out of time. I only had two more in there, but they were a bit pish. Were they? Aye. What about the one that you said that I was going to get? Did I do it? No, you didn't do it. I'll, I'll tell you after the show because it's a bit of a risky one. I was really hoping you'd put your foot in your mouth that you never done it. Um, Sadly, folks, that is all we have time for this week. We need to run away and catch the France-Germany game. We've already missed the first half, so we're just going to watch the end of it. Thank you very much for listening, though. Make sure you tell people about the podcast at Twitter at TA Pundits. Let people know, get involved in the conversations. We will try our best to talk to as much people as we can. We tend to reply to most people and enjoy just a good chat about football. So if you do as well, get involved. Come on, have a chat with us. Um, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, get us on Spotify as well, and if your review is not five stars, then don't fucking bother. Cheers, Jim. Cheers, Jim.